Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss current events in the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We can't discuss all of the headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage. Some really exciting news that I think would interest a lot of advisors out there. Future leaders has opened up their applications. So if you are listening and you're an advisor between the ages of 22 and 37, I think 37 is the cutoff point, or you know an advisor who is within that age range and is a full-time advisor, look into future leaders, especially if you haven't been before. It is such a refreshing conference because like the first time I went, I was just like, oh my gosh, there are advisors my age Mm-hmm. running businesses that are incredible. And I just love getting to meet people and learning about their business models and how they handle, um, you know, what it's like to be a modern travel advisor. And I know you were there when you're as a presenter. Mm-hmm. It was really neat. Where are they having it next year? Or, or year? I think this year it's, I'm pretty sure it's in Jamaica. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But yeah, if you just do Future Leaders, it's run by Travel Age West um, and North Star Media. And, uh, you know, it's a really great place to network. And I feel like a lot of the connections that I created at Future Leaders, not just with advisors, but also suppliers, you kind of get to that friends level because, you know, the, the event gives you the space to be able to basically hang out with your friends. So I, I absolutely love that part of Future Leaders. It's very energizing. I think if if I was a young whippersnapper, I would be all over it. <laughs> well, before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to TravMarketMedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business. Our first article is from Travel Market Report, and it touches on a topic that a lot of us have to deal with. Mm-hmm. more often than I would like, um, but it's on tips for delivering bad news to your clients. Yeah, and every time before I have to deliver bad news to clients, I always remind myself, like, listen, I am not a doctor giving bad news. I yep. am not, you know, a military general giving bad news. Like there are worse news, you know, to, 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 to provide to families. Yes. So it's not like life or death, but, Even so, I feel like it is still emotionally taxing for us to have to deliver this news because like, I don't know about, I'm sure you're the same way, Kareem, I don't know about the other listeners. You kind of like get into your own head and mentally just overthink things and you might end up trying to sugarcoat, trying to not actually just deliver the information. Well, what happens is a lot of times we take it personally, even if we have nothing to do with it with it if it's completely outside of our control. And so we'll either be upset and or indignant on the client's behalf. And then we show that emotion to them and it fires them up. We have to be able to like just deliver the news, matter of fact, which you're really good at. Mm-hmm. And then and not feed into the emotion that the client might feel. And that's what I always have to prepare myself for. Okay. That's why I prefer to deal with email and not on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I would prefer email too, but sometimes I'm like, listen, I just want the tone to come across correctly. Yeah. Yep. And I'm just going to eat the frog and, you know, do some somatic exercises to get the emotion out of me and mm-hmm. then make the call. So this article provides um, a few things to avoid when you're delivering bad news and things that you can keep in mind when you are in that situation. Yeah. So we often have to deliver bad news to our clients. Um, things like departure has been canceled, flight pricing has gone up. Boy, do I know that one well. Yep. Um, the cruise ship has to skip a port. Definitely one of the worst parts of our job because there's anxiety. And if you don't do it right, it can lead to a worse situation. Yep. So Paul Pelletier, who's the owner of Paul Pelletier Consulting, he's quoted as saying, if there's one word travel advisors live by, it's change. You're the masters of project management, communication management, and the masters of delivering bad news well. Change is number one. Most of the bad news conversations have to do with change. So at the Asta Global Convention in San Juan, Puerto Rico, this is when they actually had this conversation. Yep. Because the result of these changes could be you're going to lose money or you're going right. to have to spend more money, you know, things like that. And this article says you might even, you know, you might be, even be afraid that you're going to lose your business reputation or that the client might start to dislike you because you're the one who told them the bad news. Right. And there's also the fear of the unknown and not having any idea of how a client may react. So Pelletier says advisors need to flip that mindset we're afraid. We are afraid to have these conversations, which is totally okay. We have to learn to begin to find comfort in the discomfort. It's okay to be uncomfortable, but we have to learn to be uncomfortable more comfortably. Yep. So it goes over five key mistakes that advisors typically make when delivering bad news. The first one is bargaining. Most of the time, he reckons it's about 98% of the time, bad news doesn't stem from the fault of a travel advisor. It's important to know that and to stand by that when you're having these difficult conversations. When someone accuses you of being the cause, it's important to be able to say that you are the messenger here. And sometimes you have to give a message that you have no control over. It's important to make sure you don't get into an argument and start bargaining. And something I say all the time is empathize, don't apologize. Mm -hmm. It's really important not to take responsibility. And when you say, I'm really sorry, you are telling the client subtly that somehow you have some responsibility Mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. The next thing to avoid is cushioning. At the same time, it's important to recognize what kind of impact bad news could have on a client and make sure that you are on their side Saying something like, I know you wanted to go on that cruise, but it's not so bad. I think you can work it out. That's condescending. That's not what people want to hear. Instead, make sure that a client knows you recognize how devastating the bad news, no matter how small, can be. Make sure they know that you are on their side. Right. Uh, Acknowledge that it's a sucky situation Mm -hmm. and let them know that you are their advocate and you're going to work to come to the best resolution on their behalf. Number three is unloading. There are good times and bad times to deliver bad news. Friday afternoon before you turn off communications for the weekend isn't one of them, nor is right before you need to jump off for a call with a different client. Taking time to deliver the bad news and then making yourself available to listen is key. He calls it bombing and running. (laughs) Put yourselves in the shoes of your clients. 
respect, compassion, patience, and tolerance are better. And remember, it's okay to say you don't have control, but not okay not to be there. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's like it's tempting, but then like when you unload, I feel like you sit on that for the weekend, for example. If you unload Mm -hmm. on a Friday afternoon, you don't work on weekends, you're like sitting on the fact that you've just delivered this bad news and you don't know how the client's reacting. I feel like it's bad for both parties. Exactly. It's just as bad for you because you're just like (laughs) trying not to check your email or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, The next one to the next thing to avoid is arguing. You can't control how a client reacts. Despite your best efforts, a client may see you as the cause of the bad news and not just the person who is delivering it. Recognize and prepare for that. Be careful not to get into some kind of debate, some kind of argument when emotions escalate, Pelletier says. Don't take the blame, particularly when you are blameless, but don't start arguing with the client. Make sure they know you are on their side, no matter how irritating it may be. When you get irritated or stressed out, you aren't at your best, and an argument will raise your temperature and your voice. It makes it very difficult to think well. Mm-hmm. When a client does start placing the blame on you, it's ultimately fine to say that, I know you're upset which will help a client understand your role. Moving the conversation from the past, which is the bad news, to the future, which is what can we do about it, is the ultimate goal, not dwelling on what happened. Yep. So I think a lot of times when I'm delivering the bad news in this case, I'm like, okay, so here is the bad news and I want to have certain solutions set up. Yep. So that I'm not going in unprepared. And a lot of times it's like talking with the DMC or the partners that you've worked with in the industry. Okay, so you've delivered this news. You know, what are the solutions that I can provide to our clients to address this? And that way I feel like it makes me feel a little bit better in delivering the news if I'm prepared. It is. It's great for you. It's also great for the client. And especially if you have a difficult client who's going to make weird demands. So if you're able to come in and say, here's what happened, we can either do this or this. And then if they start to spiral out open-ended, no, these are, we can, I, these are your two choices. We can do this or this, but just having those selections ready sure. to go is going to avoid more friction. If they start saying, well, what about this? What about that? We can just keep mm-hmm. it really contained. Uh, The last one is mechanizing. Don't get heated and start arguing, but don't be a robot either. Not having compassion, feeling, or care when you're delivering the bad news is almost as bad as arguing. Have that compassion and make sure your client knows that you are an advocate. So these are tips on what you can do when you're prepping to deliver the bad news. Obviously, avoiding these five pitfalls is a good place to start, but... This is how you can prepare ahead of time. So first is don't call cold turkey, plan in advance and have answers to the typical questions that come with these kinds of conversations. Most importantly, what is going to happen next? You want your client to feel hope, care, compassion, and patience from you, something that will be dearly needed. It's important to research and bring ideas on how to resolve the challenge quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. Come in with the we mindset too, which is something that helps avoid those five pitfalls. Using the language of what can we do or how are we going to make this better will make your client feel that you and they are a part of the same team. You can't fix these issues, but you can minimize upset and that starts with being on the same side. And most importantly, don't sugarcoat the news. Be genuine and real. Lead with respect, compassion, and sincerity. You're not trying to control the client. You are trying to help them problem solve. So be clear, open, and honest. 
people will often say that they know it's not your fault and your instant answer should be, I know that, but we need to work with you to fix this. Yeah. Some good stuff. That's a hard one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, w- I will say too, just as we mentioned, being prepared ahead of time is going to make you feel less nervous as well in that situation. Yeah. If you are ready with some resolutions. Yeah. Definitely the somatic exercises, just getting it on my body. I might like scream a few times. Yeah. <laughs> just so scream. I can get the emotion out of my own self so I can be calm in the conversation. Sometimes I like to pound my desk too. I'm a little bit of a desk pounder. <laughs> And I need to just release some energy. (laughs) All right. Our next article is just a little shorty from Travel Pulse. And it's Bowman's Travel Brief, New Ways to Fly. The future of air travel is going to be quite the spectacle. Last week, the FAA announced it's advancing with plans for companies to develop air taxis. It's not likely to see these until 2025. But this is what's the latest to come for air travel. And another reminder of something that will surely only be used by the ultra wealthy for years and years, giving me Jetsons vibes, like just these little air traps. Yeah. Like this, if you go onto our show notes and click on this link, you'll see like this picture of, I would say it was like a prototype maybe. So I can't see it as the final nope. product. There's like these weird propellers and you know, bright we'll yellow. See. Yeah, bright yellow like a taxi, but we'll see what happens with these. Um, it also says that supersonic jet travel continues to be discussed with the possibility of that returning to the skies by 2029. And of course, space travel is the ultimate when it comes to talking about the future of air travel. Uh, I, for one, am going to stay here on Earth. I have yeah. yet to see every country here. I, you know, I feel like I'm in the minority. I don't know if maybe I am in the majority or the minority. I don't really know. I haven't really gauged other people's interests, but. I don't know if I want to go up in space, but maybe it's because it's so unfamiliar to me. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good right here. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, unless you're a bazillionaire, um, these new ways to fly will probably just be dreams for the foreseeable future. Our last article is from Travel Weekly, and it talks about this weird formula we're seeing war plus inflation plus airline meltdowns equals record demand very strange very very strange so this article is from arnie uh weissman and he writes that dave hirschberger owner of prestige travel leaders in cincinnati reeled off conditions that have traditionally deterred customers from traveling which is what we mentioned war inflation fears of recession astronomically high prices especially if coupled with degraded service levels multiple reports of or experience with airline meltdowns and arnie writes the only thing i thought he missed were the headlines i've been predicting a quote-unquote summer of hell for travelers if you were a trained economist, you'd think it was a perfect scenario for everything to implode. But he's seeing people come out of the woodwork to book travel. He, he says, we're charging $50 to $250 just to give someone a quote, and people can't pay fast enough. When I ask for a rough budget, we're blown away by the numbers they come out with. There are people flying business class who had always flown coach, people who might have taken one trip a year, and this year they're doing two. It really doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Hertzberger's theory was echoed by others at the Travel Leader Network's EDGE conference in Nashville. They said COVID caused a change of mindset 
set. Everyone is taking stock of what's important. They realize they lost a year or two or three and it could happen again quickly. Life is short. And if I've always dreamed of having dinner in Paris at the Eiffel Tower, I'm going to do it this year. Is this a new normal? He said, I don't think it can last. I'm not anticipating a huge economic downturn, but it really can't last. But we'll get another good year out of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember back in 2020 and 2021 with all these predictions. So it's yeah. a TBD situation. For sure. um, Angela Hughes, a host consultant and advisor who owns the Trips and Ships luxury travel agency in Florida, said she's already seeing movement to a longer sales cycle similar to pre-COVID patterns. She sees hot destinations like Japan benefiting from a strong dollar, but is also seeing a slowdown in safari sales, in part because prices may have reached their limit. She's quoted as saying, Africa rebuilt my business after COVID, but prices have increased 30%. I'm also seeing a slowdown in the family market in Europe. It's still hot at the premium and luxury levels, but premium clients are beginning to feel the crunch in air prices. Mm -hmm. I'm doing a stop sell in Europe until fall and shifting to more affordable destinations like Thailand and Bali for late summer. She said, even if some Americans are beginning to become more price sensitive, high prices in Europe may continue well into 2024. Yeah, it's so hard because, you know, I have people that have wanted to go to Europe forever, are rebooking from 2020 still, you know, and I have to tell them like these air prices, I don't foresee them coming down. I mean, we can't say that they will with any certainty. So, and I don't see it in the foreseeable future. So you just got to pony up if you want to. So bottom line. Yeah, exactly. The Mm -hmm. price is the price and people are paying it. They're not going to bring it back down. And I feel like in these instances, you know, if they are flexible in what kind of experience they would like in Europe, you know, for example, if they, they're like, we want to see it by land. And I'm like, well, how important is that to you? Because, you know, with river cruising, there are some river cruise lines that are offering air promos or Mm -hmm. even contracted rates through the cruise lines where they can have a more inclusive price for the better value versus doing it on land. So if they're flexible with what they would like to, you know, experience and how they would like to see Europe, there could be maybe room for discussion there. Yeah. The article says, interestingly, the activity seen by U.S. advisors doesn't translate globally, nor even throughout Europe. Overall, foreign tourist arrivals in Europe are still 18% below 2019 levels. And a third of destinations have surpassed pre-pandemic visitation, while a quarter are 10% below. And where the highest increases are happening may surprise you. Bulgaria was at 27% due to the perception that it provides great value. I've got some friends going to Albania, which I would like to go to as well. I think that's then Serbia and Turkey posted big numbers thanks to an influx of Russian visitors seeking visa-free destinations. So given the laws of supply and demand, why are prices so high for Americans heading to destinations in the second tier of popularity? If Serbia and Bulgaria are seeing the greatest increases, why is airfare to Italy, France, and Germany so expensive? The Travel Leaders Group President John Lovell points to undersupply in a very specific segment that's driving up the cost of vacations across the Atlantic air. Yep. We tend to forget, he said, a major event that occurred just prior to the pandemic that is still a significant contributing factor, the collapse of Thomas Cook. Air capacity provided by Cook has not yet been replaced yet and is still impacting transatlantic traffic. 
So the ETC reports that despite increasing demand, flight volumes have continued to plateau, signaling that supply constraints are still stalling recovery. European air traffic remained down 14.4% in January of 2023 compared to January 2019. But they do say that more planes and pilots are on the way. And the second and third quarters might tell a very different story. But when logic seems to have abandoned marketplace principles, only the wisest or most foolish would dare to make predictions. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. And that's, I have to be honest about that. I had a past client. He like texted me because, you know, he's working with my cruise specialist on a European cruise for later on this summer. And he's like, what, you know, I know you can't predict this, but, and I'm like, okay, then don't ask. I know you can't predict this, but what are the chances of KLM getting me to this destination on an internal flight to make it to this cruise? I'm like, Michael, I don't know. I don't know. Just have a backup just in case. But how am I supposed to predict that? Yeah, I get that a lot. I know you can't know. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but let me ask you anyway. And I have yeah. to answer. I don't know. I don't know. IDK, IDK. <laughs> All right. We ready for some excess baggage? Oh, Yeah. It's time for Excess Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, with capacity on the river starting to fill up, Avalon Waterways is adding yet more departures in both 2023 and 24 to meet the seemingly endless demand. Another one from them says that Virgin Voyage's third cruise ship, Resilient Lady, makes its debut this Sunday in Greece. During its summer season in the Mediterranean, the ship will operate seven-day Greek island glow voyages, as well as the seven-day Adriatic Sea and Greek gems, which visit spots in the Adriatic by way of Croatia's coastline, with a late-night stay in Dubrovnik, Greece's islands, and a bay in the Balkans. Travel Weekly reports that a revitalized Nassau cruise port will open on May 26th. Another one from them says that the premium and luxury segments of travel are booming, according to Travel Savers. Luxury revenue is pacing 32% higher than 2022. Expedition cruising is up 78%. Antarctica bookings have risen 84% year over year. Fun and Sun sales are also up with double-digit increases on top of already strong 22 growth. FIT sales are up too, particularly to Africa, projected to increase more than 90% and Europe. An article from Travel Pulse announces that Jamaica has received the Destination Resilience Award for addressing the United Nations World Tourism Organization's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. The island also was honored for subscribing to a collaborative and partnership-focused approach. They also report that Marriott International has launched its new all-inclusive by Marriott Bonvoy incentive program for travel advisors in partnership with My Booking Rewards. Travel advisors can now earn Marriott Bonvoy points on all qualified Marriott bookings logged at mybookingrewards.com with up to 1,000 Marriott Bonvoy points available per room per night. According to Travel Agent Central, a star, at a star set in at a star-studded ceremony in Valletta, Malta, on Sunday night, Oceana Cruises christened its newest ship, the 1,200-passenger Vista. It's the first new ship for the brand in more than a decade and also the first ship in the upper premium line's new Allura class. Another from, one from them reports that Inclusive Collection, part of World of Hyatt, has announced a confidant collective, a new online 
platform featuring resources designed for travel advisors, complete with enhanced sales and marketing tools and an extensive education program highlighting key differentiators and unique selling points of each of the inclusive collections, nine luxury all-inclusive brands located throughout Mexico, the Caribbean, Central America, South America, and Europe. Confidant Collective was created for travel advisors based on the feedback and insights of travel advisors. And our high note today is from afar, traveling from Rome to Pompeii in Italy will soon be much easier and a lot faster. The Italian government recently announced it is constructing a high-speed train that will link the capital to the city that was buried by volcanic ash from Mount Vesuvius in 79 CE and has since become an archaeological park. And that's it for excess baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news, we're just sharing it. And people ask me about that line, like why we wrote that. Because back when we started this podcast, all we were delivering was bad news. Bad news. We were just the messenger. So I'm like, we're just sharing it. And I remember, yeah. like, I thought of this when we were reading that first article about, like, delivering bad news to clients. Like, yeah. we're just the messenger. Yeah. We're on your side. (laughs) If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at thetinlounge.com. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Like we do it.